This republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, Master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin. Don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the Council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady. They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast! That's why I hate flying! This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the Separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, you will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are. Do you want to start? We've, we've recorded... Two separate intros. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Best Potential. Here, um, we're looking at Attack of the Clones today, um, a film that we love and hate, and hate to love and love to hate. What do you think, Joe? Is this one of your favourite um, non-good films? Well, this this is a this is a special <laughs> moment for me personally because I. Um, I felt this film close to my heart for many years. And um, it's nice to be able to use this platform to really spread my love and uh, my deep feeling for this, um, some would say masterpiece. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in a dark room thinking about this film. Um, and I've, I've come to some conclusions. Uh, one of them being that um, it's 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 it can't be beaten, um, and the reason I say that is is that it's objectively um, a Star Wars film, and by that I mean it's uh, slightly ridiculous in all the right ways, and 
having come from uh, the dark world of Battlefield Earth and mm. the miserable, confusing bundle of hell that was Jupiter Ascending, uh, this this is like an old, like, you know, it's like when you go home and you've still got your childhood toys on the shelf, you know. It's that kind of feeling when you watch this. Um, mm. There's, you know, this podcast is, as we say every time, every time, is, is designed to go back and look at old films to see what, I mean, films are perceived as being bad and pull some positives from them. And so we decided to do this one because, uh, well, we can talk for hours about the prequels because we have done it many times before. And um, it's interesting to view this one, specifically Attack of the Clones, the second of the trilogy, because it's perceived to be the worst of the three. And um, there is probably some credence to that opinion, having just watched it with you again. Mm. Um, but I also think there were moments where you do still enjoy yourself. And uh, it's interesting that we can maybe try and talk about those today. Um, I mean, should we do the plot? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone not know the plot? Anyone? Um, Put your hands up. Yeah, we can go through it. <laughs> how, how would you summarise the plot in like... Two sentences, Max. Okay. So, well, the trilogy, uh, prequel trilogy, is an uh, an arc from which is meant to be charting the rise of Darth Vader from a young Anakin to, in the second film, a kind of early twenties, uh, or actually late teenage guy, I suppose, mm, yeah. and then into his in the I believe in the Rangers of the Sith, he's twenty two. So it's about yeah. It's about 20 years of a, a young man's life. It's meant to chart his descent into evil. And um, in the second part of the trilogy, we start off with um, Queen Amidala. Uh, someone attempts to assassinate Queen Amidala. And uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are assigned to protect her. And they do a bang-up job of that, uh, that she's almost killed by two deadly centipede creatures. Uh, sent through by an assassin and as a result in the end they save her just just about save her uh, Obi-Wan uh, tracks down the assassin and it begins a crazy galactic journey of discovery as uh, both he and Anakin try and hunt down who the assassin was where they were sent from and who was sending them and that opens up a whole range of um political and you know action sequences and stuff it mm. it gets kind of garbled after that um yeah, yeah. um yeah um, that sums up the first act pretty well um and then the rest of it is obi-wan kenobi going on his adventures to find out um who bounty hunter jago fett turns out to be and his um clones uh and the clone army and being created and um anakin is lured to maybe not the dark side at this point but is definitely kind of questioning his uh jedi kind of principles because he is falling in love with Padme, and uh, he's tormented by his mother who he dreams of as dying um and then that spirals into um essentially this false flag operation um, in which Count Dooku 
um, assists Lord is um, planning war with the Republic and the Republic must fight back with their newfound, literally newfound, like found two days ago, clone army. Um, and then that, that, that's pretty much it, I think. That sums it up. I mean, that, that was um, a, an impressive summary on your part because I find the thing that's most difficult with this film is, is understanding what's going on. Yeah, um, it's very jumbled. It's, um, I don't know why he thought that. I, th- I feel like Star Wars is... I feel like the first film, they introduced someone like Jar Jar Binks to sell toys. And then in the second film, they're talking about like <laughs> um, this war that is actually really complex and mm. has many um, characters involved um, and is the prequel for this, for this downfall of the Republic. I don't even think children know what a Republic is. They'd <laughs> be like, what's going on, mummy? <laughs> what yeah, are we talking that, about? That's, that's what it is, man. <laughs> These films, uh, it's hard to know who they're made for, these old prequel films. You know, like, people know Star Wars, people know what Star Wars is, so we don't have to talk about that. But, you know, these new films that have come out, they seem to, you know, they come out post-prequel, so you, you think they've learned from some of these old mistakes. You know? So it is funny to go back and watch these films yeah. uh, now, having <laughs> these, this new trilogy having come out. Uh, but what we said before was that it's amazing they didn't learn in a number of key ways from the same mistakes of the prequels from these new Star Wars films, primarily in the way the character is developed um, consistently throughout a trilogy. You know, you need to have some consistency in tone in some ways. You know, you can have a darker story, a lighter story in, in, in different ways, but there needs to be a through line for each of the characters. And it's, it's funny to go back and kind of, see this as supposedly the worst Star Wars film in a lot of people's eyes, I suppose. Um, but then feel as if I enjoy it more than the new ones. Um, yeah. As I said to you before, because primarily because I feel like I give it a pass a little bit because, <laughs> you know, they're 20 years old and I watched them when I was a kid, so I have a bit of endearment towards them. Mm. They didn't, but these new ones have got no excuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't necessarily find, I don't find it too difficult with this one. I have, you know, my own mind to pick up positives to learn from from the Attack of the Clones. Um, I think what we've discussed most of, of all is that, as you said in the beginning, um, a feeling of, of a real missed opportunity. And, yeah. um, you know, we can go into those little specific examples, but, um, you know, the idea of the trilogy on, on, a, on a base level of, of charting one character and again, in, you know, his turn to the dark side with, with Darth Vader is interesting. And it's kind of, it's got that kind of grandeur about it, that space opera grandeur, which is, uh, opens up all kinds of possibilities. It's just a shame that it seems, as you said before, with, it's, it's a running theme with this, I think, with you know, Battlefield Earth and uh, Jupiter Ascending, of having creative voices seemingly go unanswered or unquestioned, I should say, mm-hmm. and having decisions made that should have been checked or reversed you know you mentioned uh there was a co-writer on this film what was his name jonathan hales is that his name mm-hmm. supposedly allegedly yeah. who, who knows what this guy's real name is jesus right. is he a real person <laughs> well I, just, I don't know but like it, you know again it's 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 the, the the basics here are you know there but there's so much there's too much plotting that the characters are inconsistent the dialogue is terrible 
you know, so it, all yeah. it would have taken was an extra skim from a couple of other writers, a couple of extra drafts, and you'd had something. So when you watch it now, with that in mind, it, it can be a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah. I think there are positives. I don't know about you. What do you think? Do you think there are still positives to take from this one? Yeah, there's there's quite a few. I think. I mean, I th- I think he has a slight disadvantage because the prequels work up to something. So it's working up to a story, which is Darth Vader and it's kind of the original trilogy. Mm. And so maybe he felt the pressure to be more plotty um, in order to essentially make that happen, um, to make that road quite clear. And Mm, I think I think to be honest, the whole Clone Wars and how uh, how they came to be is is actually really fascinating. And I've said this a lot of times, but I've watched the Clone Wars the animated series, and it's really good. But obviously, it it has a lot more time to delve into mm. what is quite a lengthy war and um, quite a few characters um, and their backgrounds. So he he kind of was working against the clock a little bit and. I don't think he's ever really... I mean, I, I say this as someone who hasn't seen his other films, his non-Star Wars films, but I don't think he strikes me as someone who is very good at necessarily building, like, emotional relationships sometimes. Um, mm. So, and emotional arcs. So, you know. But I think what he does quite well is he's a really good world builder, as everyone's seen already. Whether he's he's had a, extra help or not. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, Lars Kasdan, but like he clearly does have a, a an idea in his mind of what he wants. I think visually is mm. we've talked a lot about like the green screen and how kind of static it looks, but obviously given time, I think it looks quite nice. Coruscant looks nice. Um, Genosis looks quite nice. Camino looks quite nice. It just looks like it's not real, but maybe there needs to be some leniency given the time and what they had going for them. Um, so that all looks good, I think. Yeah, I think the, the thing that... I just, uh, go on to. <laughs> I just don't think that he... I just don't think that he should be in charge of necessarily everything. I'm not sure if he's very good at delegating, um, especially story-wise. He said himself that he's not very good at writing romantic um, dialogue, and so that's why Jonathan Hales was supposedly brought in. But then he actually... The, the story that I'm hearing is that he then reverted back to his original I don't like sand dialogue which is just a crime against yeah. everything it's just you can't watch that and not have a visceral cringe reaction um, and I've seen that scene you've seen that scene probably more than 10 times now and it still gives me the same like heebie-jeebies I feel like I'm being assaulted like I, I feel like I'm bad <laughs> getting yeah, assaulted just for context so th- this is a good example we can use this as a microcosm example oh, yeah. so the you know, what we're talking about here is, is wooden characters, bad dialogue, you know, ridiculous behaviors, inconsistent emotional tones, that kind of stuff. And the, what Sia's referring to is a scene during which, um, as I mentioned in the, well, sort of mentioned in the plot, um, <laughs> Anakin is basically sent on a kind of chaperone mission with Padme or Green Amidala to try and keep her safe. Uh, and out of the way of, of, of assassination. And in that process, he begins to fall in love with her, which is against the Jedi way, uh, something he's shunned by Obi-Wan for feeling, you know. It has this strange religious undertone of, like, celibacy about it and something like that, you know. 
But the scene that Sia's talking about is uh, when they get to this very romantic Italian-looking villa in which she's supposed to be kept safe. Uh, they're walking along a kind of open patio next to the water. And um, what is it, what's the specific line about sand that, that Anakin says? I don't like sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Um, and then he says something else and then he says, it's, um, I like it here. It's smooth. <laughs> Let me find, I mean, I'm sure most so people said, probably know it as a meme. So He's basically saying like, he prefers to be here with her because where he comes from, he doesn't just doesn't like the feeling of sand. <laughs> so, yeah, because he, he he hates Tatooine, which is yeah. um, you know fair enough. And then he he says that everything's smooth here, and then he kind of touches her back, which is just oh. a really strange place to go. Yeah, um, and it really feels like I I mean oh god I don't want to say this about George Lucas, but it just it does feel like I mean I I'm probably saying what hundreds of people have said already, but does feel like a virgin like writing fanfic for the very first time mm. um not virgin shaming but like that is very that <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any virgins listening no. right now i'm sure you can write better dialogue than that um but yeah no, but and I, I did actually hear that um george i don't know george lucas supposedly was going through some divorce issues um with his wife and Supposedly, he hated filming in Tunisia, which is obviously where Tatooine is. Um, and supposedly, the sand thing was in reference to that. Don't know if that's 100% true or that's just a rumor that's been passed as truth. Um, mm. But, you know, would, would maybe give a bit more context to those, that horrific, mm. that horrific dog. Yeah. There's, there's lots of issues with this film, obviously. Um, you know, like characters just, there's a lack of character in, in a lot of these prequel films. Um, there's a lack of kind of emotional honesty. All the characters are quite wooden. There's no flaws in a lot of them. There's no humanity in a lot of them. Mm. And that, that kind of intertwines with the fake digital feeling of the production to make everything feel like you're just watching it roll by you a bit. You don't feel invested within the story. It's just like someone's just like, showing it to you it's like you're reading the script almost you're not you know you're not really enveloped by it and um that's a real shame because as you said like the design and the world building and the visuals are incredible still you know this film was all 18 years old and it still it still has an impact visually and um the characters have promised some of them have promised you know like Mace Windu, who's played by an amazingly charismatic actor, actor in Samuel Jackson, he's, he's mm. just poorly used. He doesn't have any emotion, doesn't have any heft to him. Um, mm. Like the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin has little moments of, of interest, you know, and like a bit of past between them and a nice little like teacher-student dynamic. But again, they spend all the time of the film apart. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not developed. So it's, it's almost as if George Lucas, like, wrote down a list of stuff he wanted to add into this film. Like, just stuff he'd like to see. You know, big battle, mm. lightsaber fight, like Yoda fighting with a lightsaber or a car chase, mm. whatever. And that's what he was going for. He wasn't really going for the emotional side of his characters. He was going for uh, a kind of cinematic theme park ride. 
Um, and that's what you said before, you, as you may be right to say, he's not really an emotional director. He's, and he's barely directed that many films, really. Just, he hit the lottery with Star Wars. Um, yeah. Which is an amazing Basically. film. But uh, this Phantom Menace, I think, was the film he directed after that, right? So in 20 years, he hadn't directed a film. Is that, is that true? I think so. I want to say yeah. that. I, I, I read that um, he really struggled after Star Wars. Um, and I, I, I think he, he... I don't know if he necessarily wanted to make the, um, the, the prequels, but he was pressured into it or something, um, which would make sense. But, mm. yeah, I, I feel like it's scarred him because you've mentioned another sci-fi that he's done, <laughs> which the title of which I can't remember, THX... Yeah, I think THX one one three eight is the name of the film. Yeah, yeah. and um, I so he he clearly likes the genre and he clearly likes sci fi, but I just think his name is just too mm. it's just too synonymous with with Star Wars. Yeah, um, and even American Graffiti, like that was that was a very down to earth film as far as I can tell. It's like not that um, like the world wasn't insane, um, mm. and it just had very Playing characters, a drama. So, yeah, I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if like this. I feel like the prequels just scream like someone who had like these ideas but just didn't necessarily have the passion. And maybe that's a hard, harsh thing to say about him because I don't know if his state of mind at the time. Mm. Um, but I I I don't know. I don't know. It's just it just doesn't. If you look at the directing, if you look at the characters and how they interact with each other, I just don't think it's the director's not there, like, like kind of rallying the troops, you know. <laughs> I think it's more just yeah. he's there, just putting things in motion and letting it happen. Um, it's like he, it was like almost directed with a slight kind of apathy, almost. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. he'd obviously been defined by Star Wars. That was his. That's his whole life, almost really. Mm. And uh, it's there's yeah there's a weird lack of um, and what I'm saying is with with the, coming back to that thing about the characters being thin and wooden and strange you know mm. he hasn't had he hasn't had really a pedigree uh, really of you know incredible emotional dramas or anything like that's not what you're going for with these films but you would say that in the first Star Wars film which he I believe wrote and directed himself right mm. uh, there's a great characters. Great personalities there. And something seems to have happened, maybe his apathy towards Star Wars over the years, where that's just been sucked away. And I don't know whether or not it was the process of making it digitally and the restrictions mm. that imposed on the way he could shoot things, like whereby pretty much every shot in this film is a mid to long shot on <laughs> yeah. a static camera against, mm. a, against the digital background. I mean, maybe that really did confine his ability to get into the emotions of his characters because of how much can you do when you're just watching them walk down a corridor there's so many corridors jesus True. christ yeah um, and what i mean but what i then say as well though is that this is what he put out at the time and mm. framing it now looking back 18 years having had a new trilogy uh i still like aspects of this film more than the new ones because as I've said already, you just, you can forgive his mistakes because you make bad films sometimes. I just can't forgive the newer ones for doing it again. And what I mean by that is like, as an example of like, 
let's look at the character for instance of like Finn in the new trilogy played by John Boyega. He had this amazing promise to him, didn't he? He was that like stormtrooper who escaped the system. Uh, but he was over the course of the three films, he was just relegated and his character was completely <clears throat> sideways and it was so confusing. He didn't have any real input in the story, you know, and that's a similar thing that George Lucas unfortunately did with some of his characters. Like we were discussing earlier with Count Dooku, you know, supposedly the villain of this Attack of the Clones film. He's, intru- he's introduced as if we know him, you know, uh, he's introduced halfway through his story. And so, um, it's strange that after all these years, those uh, same mistakes were happening again. Yeah. Um, but um, what do you think is like the main takeaway of a positive? Because we've we've shit on the prequels enough <laughs> over the yeah. over our time we've known each other. You know, they're they're a meme. They're 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 just a meme factory. These films. Yeah, uh, they are. Um, so what what can we pull out from this one that you really enjoyed? Oi. What do I enjoy? Non-ironically. I like the the idea of um, there's a reason why Anakin goes to the dark side, why he's drawn to it. And the Mm. fact that, like you you mentioned as well when we were watching it, there's obviously flaws within how the Jedi operate and you can see how those cracks then affect someone like Anakin um, who turns out to be essentially the man in the middle of the the light and the dark, which is something that is talked about in the originals. Um, So I I think he has the right idea of how to build Darth Vader. um, And he has a right, like the tragic kind of love story, you know, fine, makes sense. And I I like the idea of it. Um, And Padme and him are star-crossed lovers, blah, 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 fine. Mm. Um, and I also do like the kind of brotherhood between um, Obi-Wan and Anakin. I do wish, that being said, I do wish it was the main focus and something that yeah. we could see a bit more of. Um, and I hate to say it again, but in the Clone Wars, again, they have more time, but that was that was the primary focus, like Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship, even though a lot of the time they're not in the same episodes and they're not working together it felt like they were they were friends or they were working together. In this, it just kind of felt like they were together at the beginning and they get split up and then towards the end, they <laughs> they battled Dooku and yeah. the most one-sided battle I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and obviously that was supposed to say, oh, sorry, I think I got some heat feedback. I can hear my own voice on your end. Really? I might be hallucinating though. Um, I've had like three donuts today. Um, <laughs> that's just a that's just a in, glimpse into my personal life. But <laughs> what was in the donuts? Um, they were like Krispy Kreme. So one had like jam, and the other mm. one was like icing. Yeah. So I fucking love I Krispy Kremes, man. Jesus Christ! Krispy Kreme, if you're listening, sponsor. No, the, <laughs> uh, I think we need a listenership more than you know what we have now to even begin. I mean, maybe there's some more local donut company to london maybe is that like is that like a is that like a donut business in slough that you could uh yeah it's krispy kreme they have like uh they literally make them here no um yes they do they make them in the giant tesco no they don't make them i mean like what the wait wait listen listen krispy kreme and slough council if 
you're willing to give me anything free, I will plug you in every single episode. <laughs> Krispy Kreme and Slough Council are not in cahoots, I'm right? They're not. I mean, there is a Krispy Kreme restaurant. No, it's always in the Tesco's. It makes. I've seen them get made, Joe. I've seen them get made. Okay, okay, okay. I, Next that, time you but, come but, over, I'll take but, you. Well, no, but that, but that, that is done in in establishments around the world. I mean, they're made. It, have on you site. ever seen? Have you ever seen a Krispy Kreme being made on site anywhere else? <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. They are born and bred here in Slough for the good people of Slough. I refuse to put out a podcast which claims that Krispy Kremes originated and are manufactured primarily in Slough. That is, they're, 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 not, they're not. Not all of them. State. Not all of them. The, the ones serving, you know, yeah, the ones that, winter or whatever, <laughs> SL1. <laughs> the ones that you buy in that Tesco's um, are the ones made in that Tesco's. The ones yes, made in that Tesco's sure, are not ones that I buy here. <laughs> they make hundreds, so I'm sure they ship them out everywhere. Oh, my to, God. To every poor place, some poor village that doesn't there are, have Krispy Kreme. There are Krispy Kreme stores all over the country. They probably make their own stuff there in each store. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But this this one serves, like, most of... The Windsor and Berkshire, Berkshire area. Berkshire. Okay. All right. Like, anyways, call me Krispy Kreme. Um, what, what were we even talking about? How did I talk about Krispy Kremes? Because you said something and it was like, I don't know if I make any sense. Was there something in my Krispy Kreme I had earlier? Like drugs or something? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I just had a fresh Krispy Kreme and it was delicious. I had a fresh Krispy Kreme and Slough. Wink. I mean, um, that's, that's pretty much the only thing to do in Slough right now, so... Space That's fair enough. And watch Attack of the Birds like 10 times. Um, yeah. yeah, anyways, I, I like I like the idea. Like, I feel like we say this a lot. I like the idea of it. I think I, I can see roughly where the writer and the director was going, but it's just the execution and the fact that, once again, there was no one to pull George aside and go, you know what, George, let's just let's just approach this in a different direction. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. What, I, what about you? Well, I think the first film of the trilogy, Phantom Menace, I think is a funny film to watch now, you know, because it's uh, all over the place. Um, but at the same time, there's something, again, it's, it, maybe it's because it's a childhood thing, but there's something legitimately endearing about its weirdness and its madcap, <laughs> slightly ramshackle approach to storytelling. Um, and I, I, I think people always say that Revenge of the Sith is the best of the trilogy uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it's the technology finally got to the point where it didn't look like shit or, you know, it's, it's the moment where Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. So that's always going to be, you know, it's always where it's leading. So it's always, always going to be a bit more powerful and a bit more grandeur or whatever. But mm. I, I, I would refuse to except that this is legitimately the worst of the trilogy, because that is the way it's coined, Attack of the Clones, the worst of the trilogy. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, you know, I like the, uh, what what George Lucas does. I don't know, it's hard to know if it was all from him. I mean, he's an amazingly talented group of artists around him when he made this film. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a good but I think he, he had a good, he had a vision to execute it. I mean, if you look at the battle scene and Genosis, I think it looks good. Um, you know, I think it takes one person to kind of pull that all together and to be quite quite firm in, in what he wants or she wants. So I mm. think he plays that role quite well, which is why I think like he, he's worked on like Indiana Jones as well, obviously, and 
he's exec produced a lot of stuff. I think he, he is a really good voice to have. Um, but I don't know if he's the best voice to lead. <laughs> um, no, based, I mean, on, he, based on the prequels. He was like a um, creative assist or creative story director, I think, on the Indiana Jones films, as, as you said. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard weird stories of him wanting to take some of these films in crazy directions. Like, I think there was one he an idea he put forward to Steven Spielberg about setting a Indiana Jones film in like a haunted house. Um, <laughs> like a literally like a, like an old, you know, like a Victorian era haunted house with ghosts and stuff. Um, you know, there's like, he, his, it was his idea to include aliens in the fourth Indiana Jones film. So that was his addition. Mm. Um, I think I saw an interview with Steven Spielberg about it where it said like, and then George came to me and said, how about aliens? And Steven Spielberg goes, well, I was like, fine, George, we'll do aliens, I suppose. You know, it was like his relationship with George Lucas is like a, a, a strange, like, you know, slightly mentally challenged friend that you have that you want to keep safe. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> oh. you, you know, uh, cause it, I mean, you know, he, he, he's the guy who made Star Wars. He's always going to be the guy who made Star Wars. So, I think like this, he had, he must've had all the rights to this uh, or most of the rights to this property. You know, he sold it himself personally for $4 billion didn't he, to Disney. Yeah. Um, so a studio was waiting for him, for him to give the go ahead to do these films. I'm sure it was just like printing money, isn't it? You know, yeah. but he must've done it under the proviso that he, get, he had it done all his own way with no second guessing. Um, I don't know if he's a nasty guy. I'm sure he's a fine guy, but um this was the result and uh this is i I think this film is like the epitome of our podcast of our podcast (laughs) looking for because there's so much potential here in this film uh and i mean it's not i think i would say if you just i you could probably recut this film with like a good editor i bet you could make a good film do you think just cut out some elements i think Um, Oh, is it is it the prequels? I think Topher Grace did that. Is that his name? Um, he recut. Wait, well, recut all the all the prequels. Yeah, I think it's oh. for Star Wars. Um, and to make it a bit more, um, yeah, he he edited together George Lucas's three prequel films into a single film. Um, he's a really big fan, and I what? think he said he did that. He yeah, I remember he said he did that. Um, Sorry, no, he did do that one. He did The Hobbit when he was doing Black Klansman because he was um, so depressed by learning about David Duke. So, um, right. and he's a he's a big kind of nerdy, <laughs> like American stereotype of a nerd. Um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. I, I feel like we, we could watch it actually one day. Um, I'm surprised that we haven't. God, I'm surprised that we well, haven't. Someone, someone here as well as from... Uh like a independent thing called double digit. They said that they edited all the prequels down into a two hour, 40 minute film called mm. turn to the dark side, episode 3.1. Mm. Uh, I'd like to see that because I really do believe that like the editing of these films was just shackled by the script that was put in front of them and having to juggle all these elements. Cause in every single one of the prequels, there's too much story. There's too many mm. storylines. Um, and in some ways, again, another lesson they didn't learn from the new ones. There's too many storylines in these new Star Wars films. 
Uh, characters go off in different directions because they feel like the audience needs their attention needs to be handheld all the time, and uh, they can't stay with one character for too long, otherwise they get bored or something. I don't know what it is, but um, Star Wars films in general are just saturated with characters, right? Yeah. So many characters in these films with with no time to tell any of their stories properly. Um, I think you know if you look at like the end of the Last Jedi, I remember there's that shot on the ship when they're all looking out to space, you know, yeah. like after they've done that maneuver, there's like eight, 18 characters in that shot. <laughs> like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, um, just, it needs to be whittled down a bit. And I bet if someone recut the fat, the attack of the clones, uh, there was a, there's a good film in there. Um, mm. okay, uh, I guess you could probably say that about every film, but there's, you can just see it so clearly in this one, you know, you can feel it almost in this film that it's yeah. there. And I feel like there's been so much like spin-off media um, that that's just proof that there is a lot of potential that unfortunately I don't think was found necessarily in the mm. course. But um, people are still writing like Star Wars novels to this day. Um, mm. And it's still like incredibly, probably one of the most popular like movie franchises in the world. Um, and for good reason, because it's just like, like you just can just keep exploring and keep exploring. Like you mentioned a, like a mystery kind of idea on Coruscant. That would be great. It would be like a noir. Yeah. Um, set in this futuristic world with no floor, essentially. It's just made of giant yeah. buildings. Um, so yeah, it's just, and I, I do think that he has a hand in, in, being a part of that. I mean, obviously, that's such a stupid thing to say. Like, he obviously has that. George Lucas has the hand in making souls. Um, but, yeah, he just, I, I, I almost feel like he, he didn't like Anakin or he, he didn't really empathise fully with Anakin. Yeah. But this was supposed to be the story of Anakin's um, maturity or puberty into Darth Vader. Mm. Um, that's his destiny, you know. Um <sighs> Yeah, God, it's so, it's so frustrating to talk about. Yeah, so frustrating because I think, I mean, as a result of these films, a lot of these actors have been, some yeah. of their careers have been, like, destroyed. Like, I, I mean, Hayden Christensen's career was dead after yeah. these films. He, he, did, he did that film called Jumper. <laughs> yeah, which I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Uh, but he's been shunned a bit since then, which I think is harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh some of the material he was giving, some of the most ridiculous dialogue ever put to film, you know, and, you know, again, it's, it's, he's a, he's a young actor at the time. It's George Lucas. What are you, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to say what he's yeah. trying to say. Uh, yeah. But like people get personally attacked them. Like Jar Jar Binks got, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks got death threats. Mm-hmm. The little kid who played Anakin didn't grow up to be like a criminal. I think he's in prison. Yeah, um, issues. So <laughs> there's lots of bodies in the wake of these films. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. But um I do think like there's there's that joke that like Star Wars fans fans hate Star Wars and I don't I mean I think it's I pers- I personally think that oh God, if I even speak the Crispy Crew. Um I've got you because <laughs> they um it's one of the most popular films in the world, so it's gonna have a lot of people who have an opinion on it, period. Um, but maybe it is just because like the prequels were disappointing and the sequels were kind of disappointing. And so to this day, we're still waiting for like, maybe, maybe, um, 
the first film of the sequels was okay. I thought that was fine. Um, and I thought Revenge of the, Revenge of the Sith was fine. Um, but they were just fine. They weren't like epic, great films like A New Hope. And I, I don't know, I, I do wonder whether it feels like being blue-balled for like essentially five or six films. Um, mm. Well, that's the thing. How much, how, much, how much time are we going to give Star Wars? How much time are we going to give Star Wars? How much, how much of our money are we going to give to this thing before we get what we want? <laughs> you know, like coming down the pipeline now is Rian Johnson's trilogy, the guy who, I mean, I, I think Last Jedi is better than I thought it was having just seen Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, mm. I think which is a, a worse film. But in some ways, it was a film that had to be made in that way because of what Rian Johnson did in The Last Jedi which was yeah. screw the pooch and turn everything. Every decision he made was a like left field deliberately against the grain decision, which ended up completely ruining the trilogy. Uh, yeah. But like, I'm not excited about Star Wars anymore as a result of no. Rise of Skywalker. And even if they go somewhere else, they always, the thing about Star Wars isn't, this is kind of what happened, had to happen with the prequels as well, is that because they're such fan driven communities and, mm. There's such fan, rabid fan bases, which can actually, you know, they, they're more vocal than most anything else in pop culture, almost probably Star Wars fans. Yeah. Uh, they always have to have certain elements of the iconography present in uh, each film. Yes. You know, the Star Wars, the Lights of the Battles, the, the spaceship battles, the... Fucking C-3PO. C-3PO has oh. to be there. r 2 has to be there. You know, so... That's been the case throughout the whole Skywalker saga, I guess, you know. Um, but what I mean is when they leave the Skywalker saga, which they will do now, what's Star Wars about it anymore? Like, what is yeah. what is Star Wars other than the iconography? Because if you take all that away, like, the fans have got nothing to reference back to. They, I mean, and, and the, which, which most of the modern films, was that, that's all they were doing. They brought Lando Calrissian back. They brought fucking Leia back. They brought everybody back. You know, just to appease those guys. And then if you take that away, Star Wars is just like some space stuff. You know what I mean? Mm, uh, mm. It's because it hit such a, it was such a zeitgeist and it hit such a note with people when they were kids. Star Wars is literally just, it, it's just a perpetual thing. And it, it's just worrying because if you watch these old prequels and you watch the new films, not not much has changed really in the way, in, in the Star Wars you know, universe, you could say. It's all very similar elements in each of these films, you know, love story, lightsaber, you know, that same Jedi, Sith, blah, 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 you know, bringing Palpatine, they brought Palpatine back. <laughs> you know, who else, who else could you bring back? Like, like Watto? Like, I don't know, Shmi? Uh, what, you know. who, who is brought back in the Clone Wars? Like the ending of Rise of Skywalker, they literally bring back every voice of every Jedi, I mean, it's like it was like it was like the fans were just like sat there, and it was like a it was like Jedi's were coming out on stage waving like the Queen, like hi, I'm yeah. Obi Wan. You know, next, uh, I'm suddenly <laughs> rambling and ranting here, but it, it just gets me annoyed. I feel it. I feel it. I because feel Star Wars, Star Wars was once. I think what it triggered it is when I think about what I was what I, what I was like when I first watched these prequels. Star Wars was like everything, man. Star Wars was sick. And I, I liked these films when they came out. I, I, you know, I was a kid. I was like 10. Uh, mm. and I still have an endearment factor towards them, as I've said before. But now Star Wars is just done. <laughs> Star Wars is done. 
So, what do you think about Star Wars, the direction of Star Wars? Oh, I mean, I don't think, unfortunately, I think it, I do think it needs to take a break. I think it needs to take, like, a solid break, including, like, shows. Um, I do think, like, when, when you say if you take away a lot of the iconography, I think The Mandalorian kind of does that, from what I can tell. Granted, I don't think I've gotten that far in yet, but um, it's certainly certainly divorced from, like, Skywalker stuff, as far as I can tell. But then again, it has, like, fucking Baby Yoda, so... Um, right. Not that far <laughs> detached. But That's I suppose it all... It, it is in the same world, so you will see people that... I mean, I don't think that Yoda is actual Yoda, so I suppose it's just a species. Um, in the same species or something. But, um, yeah, I, I think it needs to take a break. And I, I would have thought Last Jedi would have been, like, the kind of finale in a lot of ways like you say like all the voices come back and Palpatine comes back and it's all come full circle with like Ray Skywalker blah 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 Ray Palpatine blah 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 um I just thought that was kind of that kind of felt like an ending um mm. but it feels like it's not it's just more to come and I, I do think it's just gonna it's just gonna grind people down unless they they unless they release like a film that is as good as one of the originals I just don't think that's the thing. They they can't they can't catch that again. That is something that is like a cultural phenomenon that like that it changed the cinematic landscape of for the next fifty years, you know. And yeah. and a lot of the reason why these films are popular now is is nostalgia. It's what what it was like when you first those kids in nineteen seventy seven sat down to watch those movies. You know, a lot of these Star Wars fans are like fucking fifty. Yeah. You know? And uh, and angry, angry 50-year-olds. Mostly yeah. a lot of white men, I think, primarily. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's funny how few, uh, like, as an example, African-American audiences go to see Star Wars. I think it is quite primarily a white audience that sees Star Wars films. Historically, yeah. speaking, at least. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, it typically does. But I think, I suppose it's so known around the world now that it's, it's yeah. worth the deal. Um, but I also... I don't know. I just, I, I do wonder what they could do to kind of like spice it up. But I don't know if they're that willing to leave Skywalker's behind yeah, or yeah. you know any of the Jedi behind and to just explore different avenues. Um, so, so do you think then like to expand out from Attack of the Clones, uh, using this as a starting point because it, it, you know, the reason that Attack of the Clones is interesting to speak about now, as I said, is that it's considered the worst, but I don't think it's yeah. the worst. Um, I don't think so, it's worse now. I, don't, I think after Last Jedi came out, I don't think it's. Yeah, exactly. But so, I think for a long time it was it was the worst. To be fair, for a very long time. Yeah, sure. Okay, for yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, do you think what what potential left do you think there is in Star Wars? Then what what can they do in Star Wars that is still Star Wars, recognizably so, rather than just generic space sci-fi stuff? That yeah. Do you think there's ground to be cut of that, or do you just already think it's not going to work? Because I have a yeah. feeling that you can't really appease the Star Wars fans by going somewhere completely different that has no relation to what they've seen before. I I think I think you could probably appease the Star Wars fans, but I'm actually wondering what the general audience would like it if, for example, you looked into um, how the Jedi were originally formed and stuff like that, like the earliest Jedi Council. And because okay. um, I think they actually had a story about that, whether in a game or a novel. Um, yeah, the Old Republic. Yeah, the Old Republic, right? So, 
you could probably look at the old republic and you wouldn't have to touch literally wouldn't have an excuse to touch a skywalker or any of that bullshit you could mm. have different jedi different sith i think he um this probably exposes how little i know about like that side of um star wars but i know that there's a very famous jedi that turns into a powerful sith and he actually loki looks like kylo ren um oh. but that would be a really interesting story and i'm pretty sure that is like the old republic's main main storyline um and mm. it's just it's just that easy but the question is like would it attract that many people who aren't super into star wars that would just watch it as part of like a christmas tradition or something because let's face it for the new star wars films were just christmas films it was like you went to watch it at christmas time or you watch it around christmas at new year's or whatever um and that's pretty much how they made their bank i feel um so yeah i think it's more of a question as whether they can get that same global appeal if they actually move away from the things that we all know and love mm. quote unquote but i think it would appease hardcore star wars fans if they if they explored that side mm. because there have just been so many books i've read books about qui-gon jinn and i, <laughs> I don't want to admit that on, on the podcast well that's out the answer now oh god <laughs> And I've read it, and it was about fucking Qui-Gon, who was in one film. Um, and granted, I don't think he was in the I didn't know that about you. Yeah, well, I didn't really want to, oh my God, expose myself. Yeah, we, need um, to, we need to discuss this off air. Yeah, let's, let's cut, cut the cameras. Cut. But, um, yeah, and if someone's writing a fucking book about Qui-Gon, yeah, I don't well, know. Because obviously people read it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Why. I bought a hundred copies. So, um, yeah. What's the name of the book? I don't fucking know. Like Qui-Gon the Grey Jedi or something. Oh my God. I hope that's not the actual name. Oh my God. That's not quote for quote. Oh, hold on. Oh my God. Qui-Gon. Was Qui-Gon a... Oh wait. What is a Grey... Oh, Oh, I'm getting a rabbit hole. A Grey Jedi is apparently a thing. Oh, I think it's called Master and Apprentice. Um, that's the one this is one of the novels. Yeah, of course. It's got a picture. It's five out of five on Waterstones and four point two out on Goodreads. So there you go. And it Fair goes enough. into how Dooku um, trains uh, Qui Gon. Hey, good shit. It's always good to read. Whatever. Attack on Thrones. I mean, it's, I feel like this is a film that you're going to watch like again sometime later this year or next year. So, um, yeah, that's true. It's one of your favorites. It's one of my favorites to talk about. Um, and I find it. I will say I do find it more entertaining than Phantom Menace. I will. I think we disagree on that. I'm not. You sure. think so? I I think I think it's more really Phantom Menace. Yes, I think Genosis is good. I think um, I I okay. Well. Yep. And I think Phantom Menace, all I can really remember is obviously quite gone. <laughs> and uh, the pod racing, and that's it. I don't, oh yeah, and obviously the battle at the end that involves quite one. But other than that, I don't remember nothing. What so, about the, um, what about the amazing uh, scene with uh, Jar Jar in the underwater city? And I the, want to forget that. And the amazing intro sequence uh, where they run like hellfire out of nowhere down that corridor. Or oh, what about the uh, space battle with the Tread Federation thing and the 
Now this is pod racing line. How about yeah, that? This is pod racing. Yeah, I um, remember that. That was part of the race, and I remember it. I think at one point that Anakin goes yippee when he's flying a Naboo <laughs> Starfire, which is memorable. memorable. Yes, yes. And then at the end, he actually—I do remember—he takes out like a load of people. Um, he's like an eight-year-old in a ship that he's never touched before, and he yeah. just like massacres them, yeah. um, which sets him up to set, kill the sand people when he turns into an adult. So, mm. yeah, good times. He's such a nice guy, yeah. Anakin. I don't know why Padme um, resisted at first. He's he's a wholesome fellow. Yeah, seems like, a, seems like seems like a well-adjusted human being uh, without yeah, any like, issues. Just, okay, can we just address that just as a, on a final note? It's like, how the fuck did Padme fall in love with this genocidal maniac? Like, everything, who, who, whose chat-up line is, your skin is smooth, essentially, and then creepily rubs your back. I mean, is that... I think there's, is, a, there's a clear reason for that, Sarah, and you've already alluded to it already, is that George Lucas was going through a divorce at the time. So <laughs> yeah. he would have written a character to basically... Uh, I don't know, edify his ego or something like that to say like you can be an absolute monster but she'll never leave you regardless of how dickish you are interesting take yeah yeah that's um, a that's a psycho no, because what is it what is it what you know what message is that sending to the audience what is that meant to tell the audience about i mean padme obviously she looks like a you know she's like a doormat if she's gonna go mm. you know accept this schmuck as her <laughs> her lover um yeah like and it just says like you can if you're a man you can be completely maladjusted and mental, and uh, the ladies will still love you, which is um, something that a man going through a divorce would probably. <laughs> right. Oh uh, So nice. on that depressing note, um, I, I think there's definitely potential. I think I think uh, Attack of the Clones is almost all potential. Is like mm-hmm. I am be- I am become potential. <laughs> The movie, <laughs> Attack of the Attack of the Potential. That's the name of this film. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the problem. There's too much potential. Right, it's coming from all angles. Because I, I think if you're trying to source stuff that we can learn about filming now to to take forward into our own work, I don't know if there's much here other than just try not to fill your film with anything but every. Just try not to fill your film with nothing but potential. Try yeah. and avoid doing that. Try and have yeah, some yeah. things that aren't better, that, that don't have that much potential because then it just becomes uh, a nightmare. But I still like this film in a weird way. And I don't think I'll ever not like this film in a weird way. Um, no, yeah. I, I feel the same. The only thing is I wish it was less than two and a half hours long. Because um, oh that, is, that is really painful. Was yeah. it two and a half hours long? Yes, it's two and a half hours long. Um, Time for yeah. some Krispy creams. <laughs> How many Krispy Kremes <laughs> could you eat in two and a half hours? Hmm. It depends how hungry I was. Hmm. Um, you know, I just people... looked out my window just now, and there's a Nisa local just across my road. Do and they I have saw, Krispy Kremes? I saw a guy walking out with a Krispy Kremes box, like a full big box. Oh, my God. And, oh, then, I saw, and, and then I saw a, a, an Uber Eats driver walk in. and get So you, apparently you can get Uber Eats to come and go to the local Nisa and pick you up a box of Krispy Kremes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. What? You can you can order them from yeah, I can order them from our apartment. What? Um, yeah, Joe, you are living in the past, okay? The future is I did not know I did not know that you could get an Uber drive to go to your local yes. supermarket. Oh my god. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in our case, it's not the local supermarket, it's to the Krispy Kreme factory inside the local supermarket. Oh. <laughs> and so they're fresh. Um, I mean, that Tesco's is huge. It's got like a key makers in there. And like a yes. laundrette. There's like a street, there's a literal like high street in your Tesco's. Yes, yeah. For those who don't know, um, I live in a town that is incredibly boring and grey. And one of the one of the only claims to fame is that we have giant Tesco. So every time we go shopping, it takes about half an hour just to walk around the place. Like the Tesco's are so big, they have portaloos outside it in the car park. Yeah, which they took those to, away not, now. Well, I was going to say, not to be gross, last time I was there with you, uh, someone had left something inside it that would have meant it was time to take those away. Oh, actually, actually, I should say a number of people seem to have left the same type of thing. Uh, <laughs> I love that this is about Attack of the Clones. I'm talking about the Porter Potty mess outside of Slough Tesco. <laughs> like how it works like at least you don't have to sit down like men don't have the issue of having to sit down on their dirty toilet <laughs> all, women... right. all right there's there's a double-edged sword because we have to look at it we have to look <laughs> at it while it's happening you can you close your eyes okay would you would you rather look at it or like sit on top of it you don't sit on top of it <laughs> i mean that's where you're going wrong don't sit on it I'm not saying you don't sit necessarily on top of it, but you're just like, put one for either, put one for either side the toilet it. bowl and just let loose. There you go. Well, Easy. You don't have to look at it either. You can look up. Hey, there's there's, can... lo- there's positives and cons to being a man or woman. This is one thing we have, okay? Physical <laughs> thing. You know? You have so many. That, that is the major thing. Okay, that is the major thing. If I, if I didn't have to worry about, like, going to the bathroom, like out camping or whatever, or out on a hike. I How often are you out camping? <laughs> when you're out camping, what was last went camping? I'd camp more if I could pee standing up. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all. I would say camping is the one time where it doesn't matter where you piss. No, I mean it's it's. <laughs> as long as it's not in your tent. <laughs> I just think I just think the the process of peeing like maybe for some people it's fine but for me i just don't like the whole process of doing it outside of a toilet essentially or not this, on a toilet i don't know <laughs> this 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 is attack of the clones <laughs> uh attack of the piss no um attack of the poor bodies um yeah so go and enjoy your crispy cream i mean it's a bit late for that now it's, it's sunday evening but um yeah. But One final thing. What's 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 the best flavor of Krispy Kreme? Because I haven't had them oh, in a long Jesus. time. Okay, look, I would say jam donut. That's a classic. Jam donut. Um, what? That, just a jam yeah, donut. Yeah, the jam donut. What? Why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Because why Krispy you... Kremes are like there's like a crazy different varieties, and you've gone with the basic oh, ass. No, 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 no. The basic stuff is the best. The jam. You know what I hate about stuff. jam donut is when you bite into it, your face just explodes with jam. Yeah, but how's that? How's that a a negative thing? Although that being said, I don't like to eat a lot of fruit because that happens to me. Because I just get juice all over my face. (laughs) You're you're eating fruit weird. (laughs) That's what we're discovering. If I discover (laughs) one thing about this, I'm I'm glad that I had this podcast because I was going to give my opinions on Attack of the Clones. I finally realised that you eat fruit weird. (laughs) Have you what? Okay, how do you eat a watermelon? Do you not put your face in the melon? 
Do you I not put your face the into the melon. I don't slam my head towards the melon and hope no, that some of it lands no, in my when mouth. When you're eating it, it's like your face, your cheeks will touch the melon. They, will they touch can the melon. do. Yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. So it gets all in your face and then it what? gets all in your mouth. And then it's sticky. Hold it's on. sticky. You, you, you can eat melon in a smaller portion that doesn't clip the sides of your cheeks when you bite down into it. You don't have, have the giant crescent moon-shaped slice. You can pass yes. that shit. Yes, I know, but the whole point is like it will still get on your hands and maybe sometimes. Do you peel bananas you before you eat them? Do you peel bananas? Yes, of course. Good. Can you not peel them? Well, I was just checking. No, but mm. I, I, I would say I only bananas are my favorite fruit, not because of the taste or anything, but just because they're quite tidy to eat. <laughs> So not because of the taste or anything. Yeah. I don't like bananas for any other reason. I like clean fruits. I like clean fruits. But not many fruits don't have juice in them. Right? So. Yeah. This has been... There's potential <laughs> uh, Signing off. There's, there's yeah. lots of potential in fruit. Right? Only the non-juicy ones. I don't know what you mean by that. Non-juicy fruit. What? Anyway, anyway, pleasure as always. And Attack of the Clones is a film that was made. Or dry peach. I wonder how many Krispy Kremes he ate on the set of uh, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> we'll leave you. We'll leave the audience. Yeah. That question in mind. Yeah. Mull that one over, guys. <laughs> See you next right. time. Gigi. Bye.